Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Freelance writer, player of games, writer, board, recorder, videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only live stream, Crafting Icewind Dale, in which I build, right and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. If you are playing characters while Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, go away. This is not the right stream for you, but for the rest of you, welcome. There will be spoilers Do my D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net. And for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Also, shouts to new uh, Platinum patrons this week, Brian and William. Hello, everyone. I hope you are doing well. Nate, Stan, Jeremy, James, Morgan, Sylvan Fox. It's funny you say crikey. We're actually... Uh, a couple of months ago, we started watching uh, Crikey, It's the Irwins uh, as like a family, like while we're eating dinner thing. And it's very cute and entertaining. And my uh, two-year-old just screams animals constantly and, and it constantly points out every animal, which is just fucking adorable. So highly recommended. I was a big Steve Irwin fan back in the way, back in the day, by the way, not like even making fun of him, but just like legitimately loved what he did. And I actually wear um, on my wrist a it says wildlife warriors on it and it was when he died um you could buy these bracelets and give to his uh conservation organization and i've literally worn it since so i've been wearing this fucking bracelet for like whatever it's been like 15 years since his death or something but it's really that shoot that show's really cute it's on discovery plus and uh it's it's got his wife and his two kids which are now like teenagers and make me feel super old <laughs> but it's adorable highly highly recommended Reiki, it's the Irwins. anyway let's talk about D. good evening um so we've finished with well i guess we finished with worm doom crag right we kind of wrapped everything up that i was gonna do i think the only thing that's left to do there is uh to reward the players with their uh chwingas because i think we did pretty much everything i wanted to do we managed to cram it all into one session we didn't you know they didn't engage with that was a really interesting frostside chat i'll say that me and chris kind of got into a heated argument at one point about the nature of players and heroism and everything but um you know they they weren't interested in playing the goat ball it seemed and um but but i was able to pull off the fun stuff to do with Frey, and that was entertaining and then doing the little tunnel claw uh crawl through and all that so and the Twinga. So we pretty much hit all the things I wanted to do at Wormdoom Crag. What I needed to do, though, was remember to actually reward them 
the players who were accepting of the Twingas, which I believe is, let's see, is this linked properly? Natural gifts. Oh, I was a little art thing for it too. That's cute. Okay, so I need to make sure I give myself a note. Uh, let's see. Sorry if you if I have a super new clicky keyboards. So you're probably hearing that. For PCs, natural gifts. Um, clack clack clack. So, what do we get? Um, it is a new Twinga charm. Say that too fast. Uh, let's see. Charms, natural gift. Legendary creatures can give them. So, as far as I'm aware, this is pretty much the same thing that uh, I used at Oralunga with the Naga Oracle. I gave them a charm, which is... Basically gives you the ability to cast a spell three times, which is pretty damn good. God, especially Animal Conjuring. That's a that's a really powerful spell, third level. Whereas Dark Vision, not as useful, because there's only really one person in the entire party that would benefit from Dark Vision. Um, what I would like to do, I think, is allow the players to roll... Maybe one of these, and then that determines which one they get. So we've got Animal Conjuring, Dark Vision. Oh wait, these are the old ones. Let's let's look at the new twin. Okay, new Twinga Charms. There we go. Okay, so these are like cold themed ones. So we've got Charm of Biting Cold. As a bonus action, you can expend one. Oh, this is not even a spell. Wreathe your weapon attacks with Biting Cold for one minute until the effect ends. You do an extra one d six cold damage when you hit with a melee or range with attack. That's pretty cool. All right, so Charm of Biting Cold. Charm of Bounty. This charm has three charges. As an action, you expend one. The charm's charge is to cast the Create Food and Water spell. That's not as useful um, because I don't think I give a shit about rations in my game. Does, food and, does this spell do anything else other than like, give you inspiration or something? Nope. Okay. Uh, so probably have to skip that one. Charm of Cold Resistance. That's obviously very useful. Although it wow okay so it it only it only works once but it lasts for twenty four hours. That is pretty helpful. Charm of Snowball Strike. The charm has five charges. As a bonus action, you can expend one of the charm's charges to create a magical snowball in your hand and throw it. Snowball is a magic range weapon. You have proficient is a normal range of twenty feet, a long range of sixty feet. It deals one d four cold damage and hit, and it scores a crit on a roll of nineteen or twenty. If you score a crit with the snowball, the target is blinded at the end of its next turn. That's kind of cute and fun, but for level 9, it's not very helpful, but I could see somebody like Edmund having fun with that, I guess. But the bad thing is, the way I'm going to do it is you're going to have to roll for your charm, and that's just what you're going to get. So it could be like, you know, Freya or Thimbleweed end up with this, and I don't see them ever really using their action to blind somebody. What I, what I more see them doing is doing this outside of combat as a way to just fuck with somebody. Charm of the Ice Troll. This charm allows you to, re to use your reaction when you take cold damage to reduce the damage to zero and then regain a number of hit points equal to half the cold damage you would have taken. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Just use your... And there's no roll and you just straight up use your reaction to reduce cold damage to zero. Talk about wanting to stand in front of a fucking dragon breath. Man. Save that for when it's good. 
or Charm of the Snow Walker. The charm has three charges, and actually you can spend one of the charm's charges to gain the following benefit for 24 hours. You know your allies within 15 feet of you ignore difficult terrain. Caused by snow or ice, you can see through heavily obscured by snow. Isn't of 60 feet, you're into the effects of extreme cold. Okay, I guess that could still be relevant. Difficult terrain and being immune to the effects of extreme cold, because I am making them roll exhaustion for quite a while, though you gain no protection from cold damage. Okay. Charm of the Traveler's Haven. This charm has three charges in action. You can expend one of the charm charges to cast the spell DMs Hate, Leoman's Tiny Hut. Uh, uh, I mean, that's obviously very good, but it's been kind of nice my players don't have access to that. We have not had a major dungeon crawl, though, other than Sunblight, and I don't think my players actually even long-rested while in Sunblight, so it wouldn't even come up probably until uh, something like Caves of Hunger. Hmm, so how many does that give us? One for Biting Cold, we'll skip Bounty. Two, three, four, five, six. All right, that's fine. So everybody rolls 1d6. Hmm, but are they mutually exclusive or not? And then it depends on the order in which they uh, went to each person, which would probably be, uh, I think, Ray... No, it would be Valravin first, wouldn't it? I think it would be Valravin. Valravin, Frey, and Edmund would be the order. I think. Was he the first one? Or was Frey the first one? I really don't remember. I have to go back and check. I didn't do a great job of reminding them that these Tringwas were constantly doing their thing either. It was very easy to instantly forget about them while I was trying to run everything else. And maybe I should have... I mean, the other option is you make them... Uh, you make the Twingas stay with them for an extended period of time, but then it gets kind of weirder that they would stick around and, like, be with them in the alien ship and all that weirdness. So, And I, I think it does mention the fact that they pretty much only follow them around um, while they're in Wormdoom Crag, which tells me... I mean, it says indulge them once a day for three days, but that seems like a long-ass time to keep up with this. Okay, thank you, Stan. No argument, Chris was correct. Oh, that's the worst uh, result. But in a tabletop RPG, there's a contract between the player's GM saying that when the DM prepares, players are expected to play along. Uh, I mean, yeah. Especially in Roll20, that's even more so, where it's like, hey, do you want to do the thing that I've prepped? Because if you go off script, I got nothing. <laughs> to an extent. I mean, obviously, that's why dungeon crawling is so good, because you can go off script in a dungeon, and, and you know you present the players with a big map, and then you're like, okay, now you can go nuts. But you can't, for example, just say, oh, I'm in the overworld, now go nuts, because I'm scrambling. I'm, you know, it's, I've got this one area that I prepared. I can't, you know, which is why a lot of those DM threads I read about like on Reddit and things, where it's like, oh, you should, you know, never just railroad and assume your players and do all this. And I'm like, man, in VTT, it's a lot different. Like, you've got to have that shit prepared, or else you're just not doing anything. Well, I always got to ask what we're doing next. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to give them a roll of the dice, and maybe we'll go in order of those players. Everybody rolls 1d6, and I think it'd be fun to maybe do mutually exclusive ones. Uh, just to make them different, and then that'll be it. That's what they get, and then they can move on uh, to Sky Tower Shelter. I'm gonna ask them and let them make the choice if they want to have Kapunuk with them or not, which could have advantages or disadvantages. Um, and Kapunuk will even say as much. He'll say, you know, hey, I can come with you all, 
you know, I'm interested in um, bringing the Goliath tribes together, so maybe I can help explain things. But on the other hand, I'm also a Goliath from their the tribe that they hate, so I might make matters worse in negotiations. Um, and you know, I would certainly not. And, and he's, I'm trying to. I'm I'm also been playing him as, as a little too much of a nice guy. He's still a warrior at heart, so he would not back down from the fight, and he would probably admit that as much. So. It would really be completely up to the players whether they want to take him along or not. And it would just be an ally that they would have because he's definitely on their side, but it, it may definitely complicate things. And Sky Tower, man, this is going to be such a tough one to prep because I really, really don't know how it's going to play out. I'm going to put him on the GM layer for now because I'm not sure. Because this tribe, while isn't literally hostile, they are not friendly. So when you first, and obviously getting here is not going to be anything, because they can just go back in the ship, go up there, fly over here, drop down. Bob's your uncle. What's really interesting is if they try to get really close, um, <laughs> that would be seen as a fucking like alien invasion by the Goliaths. So maybe the players will realize like trying to drop down on their doorstep would be a look pretty bad in which case i can just straight up attack them with the griffins maybe while they're trying to lower down or i, I guess they have to park the ship but the interesting thing is this uh entrance is let's see carved into the northwest face of a fifteen thousand foot high mountain i don't know how high it's supposed to be i mean it seems like it's on a cliff look at this with like the birds flying and this these are clouds here uh, i'm not sure the Akanathi clan. That was most difficult. Mountain travels. A cave complex carved in the north. As it says, northwest face of a 15,000 foot high mountain. Which, are we 15,000 feet above the ground? Because at that point, you are... That, it seems like there should be more um, involved in getting here than avalanches and blizzards and extreme cold. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it's worth running any of that because again, the ship can actually drop them off pretty close. But maybe that's the maybe that's the choice they have to make. Is uh, hey, we can be dropped off really close to the entrance, or we can try to mask our the fact that we're coming off an alien ship. But it would maybe be a little bit more perilous for us, and we would have to make some you know survival checks and and do that. I don't think I would have any actual uh, random combat encounters, but. Certainly, maybe you can run kind of a maybe an avalanche skill challenge, uh, and maybe just a survival check for exhaustion to trudge up here. It seems like it'd be pretty brutal. But if they choose to go via the ship and just let the ship kind of do the reverse kidnapping thing, um, I, I kind of literally pick uh, a picture. I think it was the War of the Worlds movie, the Tom Cruise one, where they've got the like uh, the the tripod alien things and they're just um grabbing people and and snatching them up that's kind of what i picture the uh the nautiloids is doing they're just kind of you know the tentacles are going down and grabbing people which means do they do that in reverse <laughs> if they're gonna drop people off can can they just have a tentacle reach up and grab somebody and lower them all the way down what a weird visual that is but um that would be one way of getting down now you know what? They probably won't do that because that requires them to leave the keys in the ignition, uh, and they've already established the fact that they leave the 
or they take the psi crystal with them which is, as a way to ground the ship and make sure they can get back to it. So that's probably not what they're going to do. Instead, they're probably going to have to park it down on the mountain and then make their way up, in which case I will probably uh, run some... Not too terribly complex, but at least some... Mainly because they fucking long-rested, those bastards. And I can drain them a little bit. Maybe do like a little avalanche skill challenge. Mixed with it. Well, I don't know about a blizzard, but... Some some kind of maybe like mountainous skill challenge will be involved, which involves some exhaustion levels, which are pretty nasty. Maybe some cold damage, something that can make it painful to get up here. In fact, it even says... At the end of each hour, the character NPC leading the expedition would make a DC-15 survival check. On a successful check, the journey was not hindered by weather or terrain. On a failed check, the party comes to an impasse and must backtrack, which costs an extra hour of travel. Which, I don't know why the penalty there is just more time, unless you have a time constraint already. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. I think I can come up with some uh, slightly better uh, penalties for failing the checks. So let's assume they park the ship, they take the Psy Crystal, they trudge up the mountain, and then they're met with a stone causeway. Ten-foot-wide stone causeway hugs the side of the mountain, ascends to Sky Tower Shelter. Six griffins circling the mountain's peak watch the causeway closely, and their eyesight is sharp enough to pierce the clouds that frequently shroud the mountaintop. So you are, like, at the top of a mountain. You see unfamiliar figures ascending the causeway. The griffins shriek warnings to the glass of Sky Tower Shelter. The glass quickly arm themselves, expecting trouble. The shelter comes under attack. The griffins join the fray. So they're not technically combatants, but they will... Uh, assuming the players aren't using any magic to hide themselves, or so far they have not done any of that, and the griffins will shriek words of warning. Now here's the interesting part is, if the players immediately start firing at these griffins, all hope for mediation is gone. <laughs> because... Uh, these griffin-taming goliaths will not take kindly to that at all. And then we can just start a combat encounter, which, you know, a bunch of griffins, even six of them, are not going to be much good for the players. Although, if you manage to knock somebody off a, whatever it is, 15,000-foot drop, that could make things interesting. They do have a fly speed of 80 feet. You know, it's unfortunate that not an, uh, more flying creatures don't have the um i don't know what the ability is but it's the auto it's like the free disengage that some flying creatures get which makes them really fun to use cuz you can just fly in and out of range and uh the players are just screwed with melee attacks whereas like this creature for example has to fly in do its moves and then fly away and then it's constantly incurring uh attacks of opportunity although if you outnumber the players they only get one reaction each time so that's not that's still something you could do and could you have a griffin grapple somebody, grab them, and just fling them off the fucking mountain? Because that would make things real interesting. <laughs> hey, should have left that uh, that ship flying in the air nearby. Flyby, thank you, Jeremy. I think don't, like, owls have that or something? Like, I wish more flying creatures had that ability. To just auto-disengage. I feel like a lot of flying creatures... Like, if you've got a flying speed of 80 feet, to me that says you're so f- you're too fast to hit. Is it? Yeah, the owl reemphasize the importance of the griffins yeah remember these are the griffin people <laughs> griffins are with them which is another reason why it might be nice having kapunuk because kapunuk if he's with you will be able to remind the players like hey you know those are the, the griffins this whole tribe is about griffins like don't attack the griffins and i mean hopefully they don't attack us if they do then all bets are off but you know if we start any fights with the griffins then we're absolutely screwed 
Could pick up some rocks to drop. That's a really good point. wonder what that would look like for a stat block. Or a dropping rock maneuver. What's the terminal velocity of a of a rock that a, a griffin could carry? <laughs> CR2. Griffins are, are such an iconic creature. Surprisingly kind of weak, I feel like. They're kind of like just a bear. <laughs> a bear with wings, which granted is terrifying. I'll, I'll give you that. So that's the causeway, which is here. Even... Back them up a little bit. In fact, we might need to jack with the dy dynamic lighting. That looks like... I did fix it, by the way, to turn... I figured out you can actually turn off bright lights. Figured out like I'm a genius. I get to fucking toggle right here. But that... The problem was I was making it way too bright for have it be the everlasting rhyme and still everybody suffering from the permanite. But I want it to be some light, because I figure it's it's like evening. They said, like, at night it's night, but, you know, usually you're adventuring during the day. Um, in which case, you've got kind of a dusky setting, so there is some light. So I tried to recreate that, and I figured out you can actually turn off bright light and just have it emit low light, and then crank that way down, and that actually creates a much better looking um, kind of night, daytime, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, looking thing here and then inside you actually do have bright lights that's where the torches are coming from i did that for all these ones yeah but we still need to draw a line here because you don't need to see the border cross and there that's good okay barricade and chieftain six griffins circle above you shrieking at your approach okay i guess they were already there at the causeway weren't they all right, it's just reminding you, I guess, while you're on the causeway that these griffins are there, and then you actually see it when you get to the barricade. They descend until they're a hundred feet away, but come no closer. Because they do have good eyesight. The end of the entranceway is a ten-foot-tall barricade made of wood and stone set with a crude gate made of thick lumber and festooned with metal blades. It's a hell of a barricade. The absent the gate light is seen an unusually tall figure in a hide armor standing ten feet behind it. It's not ten feet behind it. And clutching a great axe. Beyond the figure is a higher ledge with five equally towering figures standing on top of it. Okay, so this all visible. What I tried to do last time, remember, is I actually did make a gaps in here so the players can physically see the gaps. So if you look at what they can see, so now that looks more like a, less like an annoying wall that you literally can't see behind and more like a, a barricade you can kind of see, you know, if you're moving around. I think that gives off the intended effect. Move him here. I think he's more cool to everybody. Figure beyond the gate is a Goliath warrior named Arn Rockfist Akanathi, the chieftain of Sky Tower Shelter, which I did give him uh, near max hit points for Goliath warrior. He's at 90. Everybody else got um, random HP rolls, but as the boss, he is far stronger. I, I have no idea if this is going to be a fight or not. I would... If I were guessing, I would say not, because I can't imagine they're just going to roll up to these griffins, uh, the griffin, well, the, yeah, the griffin clan, and just decide to go all out. And my job is not to be um, outwardly aggressive to them, but I will be an asshole to them, uh, because this guy's kind of an asshole. Party includes one of our Goliath characters who hail from Sky Tower Shelter. I don't know how you would 
get one from Sky Tower Shelter. Arn welcomes them home and allows them their companions to pass through the gate molested. Literally, I don't think there's any other... Technically, I changed it, by the way. The Mokingo, the, the one from Mountain Climb, is from Sky Tower Shelter, but he's dead in the in the story, and I kept him that way and actually made him a, the son of the Chieftain and Wormdom Crag just to give me a fun little through line there, but uh, I don't remember there being any more Goliaths that would be from Sky Tower Shelter. Maybe I missed. Maybe there's one from Ten Towns or something. Tells the, in a, tells the party in a deep and gravelly voice, Turn back. You are not welcome here. 500-pound wooden bar sealed the gate, the blade affixed to the gate, and the shining barricade made climbing impossible. The glass attack anyone who bypasses the gate without Arn's consent. So they're straight up saying, if you approach any further, we will attack you. So there's five here, and then there's Arn here, and then there's nine in this area that can also join in the battle. In the fifth round, Arn can also whistle to summon reinforcements anytime. Also, we assume the Griffins would join in as well. Arn has no patience for attempts at diplomacy. That's going to be a problem for them. And meets aggression with aggression. The characters don't have one or more Sky Tower Glass among them. The only way they can get past Arn is to give him something he wants. He is a human-sized sphincter. <laughs> Quite possibly. The characters ask him what he wants. He tells them, bring me the White Cloak of Ogalai, the Chieftain of Wormdoom Crag. Now that's not going to be what they're going to want to do. Just because they're not going to go back to a place and fuck with her. And he will actually tell the story of his version while they're at the gate. He summers ago, the children of Sky Tower challenged the children of Wormdoom to game of goat ball. One of the children of Wormdoom, angered at being knocked off her perch, threw the ball at one of our griffins and struck it in the head. It wounded her in return. The game was called off. Days later, hunters from Wormdoom climbed our mountain and slew the griffin in its nest. A grave insult. We've been at war ever since. That's his version. So his version is slightly different than their version, but the point is that a griffin was killed and uh, guys are super pissed about it. Characters portray themselves as neutral arbiters, seeking to end the conflict between the clans, even though the uh, the uh, written text just said he has no patience for diplomacy. Okay. Yarn suggests they end the conflict by bringing him the cloak of the Wormdoom Chieftain, either by killing Ogalai and taking it from her, or by forcing Ogalai to surrender it. Arn aims to use the characters as tools to weaken his rival and doesn't care if they succeed or die. Alright, fair enough. Only by restoring... Kanyaka's sight. Can the characters convince Arn to meet with Ogalai and settle their differences? And only at Sky Tower Shelter or on neutral ground. And yet they can't... They don't get inside unless... They bring him the cloak. And if they get the cloak, that pretty much is going to turn Wormdom Crag hostile. So how are you supposed to do this properly as written? <laughs> Doesn't really give you a good uh, option. So... I obviously want to work with the players, and um, I'm in favor of mediating the Goliaths for sure. I would like to... Everyone loves a wedding. <laughs> That's true. You'd think that would be part of it, wouldn't you? A classic, like, two rival uh, clans at each other, and you'd think there'd be, like, a, you know, a nice little marriage story, uh, forbidden romance between two folks, and then the party could maybe work with that somehow, or just make that be like a subplot. That was a missed opportunity for sure. I guess I could have inserted one, but that would have been a fun little thing. Um, what I'm doing is I'm going to run... Uh, I'm going to add a quest onto this. Assuming assuming the players don't turn all of Sky Tower Shelter hostile, in which case maybe I just drop the quest. I don't know. Um, but in fact... 
if the players do such a bad job at trying to even get in here, I may just give them the quest before they even uh, make it into Sky Tower Shelter. So the quest is going to be Worm Doom Hunt, which I should have pulled up earlier, but I was kid down. Let's see if I can find it. All right. Uh, put the link in here. Now, that open one second. Pool was not prepared. Uh, this is by Dan Kahn, and uh, I'm changing some stuff around. And I've talked about this before. We actually talked about this a long time ago when I was first uh, looking at how to make the glass a little more interesting. All right, here's the link. From Doom Hunt. And the players basically get a quest to go help, um, uh, a quest for the Goliaths, which is to go hunt a white dragon, and the white dragon is currently um, under the thumb of a frost giant. So you end up having to actually either take down the white dragon or the frost giant or ally with one or the other, and there's like a cobalt fight leading up to it. It's a really nice little adventure. Um, you know, it feels very classic D&D in a lot of ways and, and very thematic to Icewind Dale. The problem for me using that, there's two problems. One, it's designed for, which is appropriate for it, not for me, uh, about level five or six, I believe, which is how a lot of these chapter two quests are designed. My player's level nine. Um, and the other problem is it involves a frost giant in a white dragon, which my players literally, well, aside from it ascendant, the two places before that involved a frost giant and a white dragon. So we're kind of seeing a lot of that, and I don't want to just repeat all that. So instead, what I was going to do is um, use a Remoraz as the big boss at the end. The story goes, and, and this is a way for the players for um, this is a way for the players to basically make it inside Sky Tower and actually talk to Arn about um, you know coming together without having to go to Worm Crag and fight the other Goliaths. So instead, he can mention the fact that recently they set off a little small troop of fighters to go take out a young white dragon, which has nested in a nearby cliff, and it's been eating their griffins, and it's just a pain in the ass, and it's something that they've, you know, handled before. You know, it's not uncommon for monsters to layer around here, and they know that the Wormdoom Crags took down a dragon at one point because the bones are still there, so, like, we can definitely handle it. And, uh, you know, they're most veteran seasoned warriors and um, they haven't returned. So that would be something he would fly out there, and, and in his mind, it was probably like, well, either you t take care of that, or you all die, in which case you're out of our, you know, out of my hands. And hopefully the players can then accept that. The other option is to say, they, well, they say, fuck that, and we'll just kill you, which could happen, and I, I can run like that, and I'll have to prepare, but it, it would just be, I mean, it's kind of a boring combat, because Goliaths aren't the most interesting stat block, frankly. The players actually did fight them previously whenever I ran Cave of the Berserkers. I replaced um, the whatever unit you're supposed to use for that with a bunch of Goliath warriors, which is why they have this unique Ice Spear ability. Um, otherwise, they're just... I mean, they're decent. They're kind of like... Know, maybe around a Berserker or something. Although they only have two attacks instead of three, I think. Uh, so they could totally do that. The Barricade makes it uh, tricky to get around, but not impossible. The players have lots of ways of 
know, climbing and doing all that, and they could just assault these Goliaths and take them down, and really, if you kill Arn and then, you know, run back, and uh, which, you know, they'll be obviously alerted to all the Goliaths and Griffins in this area, you could turn this into a giant bloodbath, kill these guys, and then make it back to Wormdoom, and that basically completes the Goliath quest. That could totally happen. That would absolutely shit all over what I'm planning on doing, but that is something that I will let the players um, do while still trying to gently lead them away from that inevitability, basically. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's gonna be hard because I wanna keep ten, you know, I wanna keep that tension of the, oh, this diplomacy could go wrong at any time, and being very careful about when to pull that trigger of like, okay, you guys have really shit the bet on this. They are going to straight up start combat here. Or maybe they never do and they're still yelling and, and cajoling and, you know, and, and I think these guys would be on the defensive. They wouldn't necessarily want to launch an attack at, you know, people that are just come up to their doors. They just tell them to go away. So um, it'll, it'll be a tricky situation. But what I'd like to do is give them the quest to say, hey, you know, fine we we you know if you really want to help us and you want to help the goliaths then we sent out you know some of our most seasoned warriors um just across to an, another mountain it's a trail you can find if you know you can give directions on it um and to go slay a young white dragon um you know if you all think you're so strong then it should be no problem for you all to go do that and you know uh make sure the warriors are Maybe they just got delayed or something. He's still like incredulous that the warriors would be defeated because they don't know that what actually happened is a and the dragon was there, but a Rimaraz has moved in and killed and eaten the dragon and has been feeding its broodlings. <laughs> and that's what the players will be up against. So essentially, then we turn it into a kind of traditional D&D monster hunting quest. Which I am a mating pair of Rimarazes. I don't do I need to add another one? And that's something we can definitely talk about because my player's been kicking my ass quite a few times here. Although I think the that final battle, or not the final, that the one battle in It Ascendant did end up pretty fun because of the way the party got split up. Even though they debuffed the shit out of my poor gearkeeper construct, but just the laser blast from the uh the eyeballs and then the the party splitting up made it pretty dynamic, even though nobody actually went down, everybody went down to like 50% or less uh, hit points, which is always pretty fun. That's what I'm thinking, Jeremy. And my only worry about using the Remoraz was that it straight up appears in the Caves of Hunger later. But now I'm thinking that might be cool because if we use it as a boss fight here, then later the players happen to uh, happen upon one uh, in a similar situation where it's got babies. Uh, there's a young Remoraz stat block. Um, in the middle of a dungeon, so it's no longer a boss, it's just, like, another minion of a dungeon. I mean, it's still a big, like, kind of, you know, marquee moment in the in that dungeon. Technically, they could skip it, the way that dungeon's designed. It's got multiple branching paths, but that is one of the more central uh, paths that they end up hitting, and who can uh, resist going down a giant ice, a dark tunnel ice slide in the middle of an ice dungeon? Come on. So, but the thing is, they're level 9, so I need to make sure they get challenged, um, so I need to make, I need to just come up with things because the original version, as I said, has a bunch of kobolds, which isn't maybe even a fight, and then goes into um, frosts, a frost giant, like a single frost giant, and then it's like a single white dragon. So I'm thinking um, I need to have a just kind of similar to what I did with Mountain Climb, I believe, which was I, I threw a bunch of crag cats at them. But I need something that's a little stronger or something that's a lot in quantity as just a, hey, this is a minion fight that is designed to tear up your resources. So I'm open to suggestions 
on what to use. I think the only real creature we haven't used yet um, that's, for example, on the wilderness encounter table that would be more that would be mostly unique to Icewind Dale is the Periton. I believe we've seen just about everything else. We've seen Yetis, which you know Yetis would certainly work, um, and you could use like several Yetis together. That would be a pretty terrifying minion fight. Although Yetis are also pretty strong, and I don't know if they would hang out near. Uh, where a dragon's hunting. I was thinking about something a little more bestial that maybe doesn't have the smarts. To, that would be more of like a carrion creature, maybe. And the cool thing is, and I like this map because it almost looks like this could be like the cave entrance here, is you could show some of the Goliath bodies and then have like, you know, the party happen upon them and then notice that there's creatures that are coming, that are attracted to the bodies, and that's what leads the party into a fight. Uh, but I'm leaning towards Peritons, but I'm probably going to have to have quite a few if I wanted to be any kind of exciting battle. We got the Frost Giant riding a Mammoth, Shardle, and Berserkers. I haven't used too much of those, but they only make sense in certain areas. Ice Trolls we just used. Cold Light Walkers are very good, but I don't think would make sense here in this situation. Um, Crag Cats we have used before a long time ago. I think they would be too low level here. Um, and Peritons again would make sense for the Mountain uh, situation. You could have Environmental Challenges. Yeah, that's true. Um, I could, because I'm thinking about doing environmental challenges on their way up to get to Sky Tower Shelter. I could throw another one at them, maybe a different one, as a encounter uh, for when they're getting up here. Goliath Party, which not gonna happen. Orcs, Knolls, Snowy Owl Bear, Wakened Beast, Icewind Cobalt, Humans, Herd of Beasts, and Peritons. How many Peritons could I use? How many Peritons does it take? That's what I'm leaning towards. Just because it's the one kind of mountainy creature that we haven't seen yet. And I feel like we should, um, kind of similar to the way I did Tomb of Annihilation, where I really wanted to prioritize all the unique uh, creatures that are in that biome as kind of a checklist of random encounter creatures. Periton is only a CR2, but we could use a bunch of them if we wanted to. They do have flyby. Hey... Look at that. Griffin's really got uh, screwed by not having flyby, in my opinion. Uh, they have way fewer hit points than a Griffin. They do have damage resistance, but I'm pretty sure every single one of my party has magic weapons by now. Uh, they do, if they get at least 30 feet of a hit, they deal extra damage, which is awesome. I'm kind of liking the Peritons. Oh, like... Snowfall cave-ins, tremors, they fight at disadvantage. Yeah, those are all interesting things. Wild bear that wild shapes into a druid. Hey, is that a indie movie reference? <laughs> I really enjoyed that trailer, by the way. That looks like a really fun movie. I'm a big fan of um, fun action-adventure movies. Uh, like it felt like it was a very much like a Guardians of the Galaxy or a Fast and Furious thing, where there's like a team that's got the camaraderie and they're having fun and just there's a lot of big action. You can still have some serious emotional moments, but and man, it looked like it was a friggin' uh had a lot of budget, I'll say that. The, the CG looked really good, a lot of fun like Easter eggs for actual spells and uh obviously plenty of monsters. They were diving in the monster manual, so that's really neat. I think uh just having a good big budget like D D movie is pretty fucking cool. So I'm stoked. This one only says two peritons, but we can add more. I think we can add a lot of peritons. 
Just give the Peritons Griffin stats. Just make them big chonkers. I mean, honestly, what you do is you just take the Griffin and you give it flyby, and then it just becomes so much better. I mean, we can still use a Periton. I think they're cool looking. I think they're also... Now, are they Carrion Eaters, or... Are these the ones that want to eat, like, living hearts? A freshly killed humanoid. So there you go. The organ must be consumed by a female Periton before she can reproduce. So maybe that's why they're gathered here. In fact, they kind of are griffins, except they're like deer heads instead of lion bodies. But there's four different griffin stat blocks here. Yeah, the griffin has more hit points, more speed, and slightly better dice on its damage and attack, but it doesn't have the flyby or the dive attack or the damage resistance that a periton has. And honestly, something can be said about creatures that have low hit points but big impact is kind of the most fun, uh, I think, kind of creatures that, uh, you know, I still cite the, God, I can't remember their fucking name, the pterodactyl people from Terra Folk from Two of Annihilation. They are glass, can they have like triple attack and flight and like all this crazy cool stuff, but they have, you know, not a whole lot of hit points. So they just end up being really fun because they're really impactful while they're there, but then they don't last very long. So the players, both sides feel like they're doing a lot of damage back and forth. You know, the opposite of that is a fight where it's just a big tanky creature that doesn't do much, and that's just a long fight where you're just like, yep, we're taking down the HP again. So, honestly, I'm kind of more excited about the Periton just because I think they've got slightly more interesting stats, and I feel like I'd rather have more Peritons than fewer Griffins, if that makes sense. Glass cannons are the best kind of enemy. That's Honestly, it's the secret sauce to make a good encounter, I think. Okay to have glass. Now, obviously, you don't want your boss to be a glass cannon. And, and there should be something said about a kind of tanky minion that, you know, its job is to tank. But I kind of like these swarm creatures that don't last too long. Characters don't have a lot of good AoE things. Here's a question. How many Peritons can I throw at a level 9 party? That's a lot, and they're basically fully fucking rested. <laughs> and I want to try to slow them down before they fight my big boss. Yeah, we have not fight a, fought a bunch of undead. That's a good point. Um, We could really spice things up and make the Goliath rise as undead. <laughs> For no fucking reason other than I think it's cool. <laughs> uh, Now that you say that. Just one of the Goliaths gets pissed off and and rises as a fucking wraith or something crazy. I haven't looked at it. All the, a lot of the undead all have different um, like reasons for being, I think. It mentions them. What do we have? We do have the wraith stat block here. Now you got me really thinking. Ten. Ten peritons. Oh my goodness. You want two peritons for every player. That is bananas, but I need to start thinking big. We're level 9. i got to start thinking big. What about a sperm whale? Drops out of the sky. <laughs> 189 hit points. Uh, what other undeads do I have? Shadow. Search by undead. Zombies are kind of boring. No goats here, which is odd. Real lack of goats. 
Lich is probably a little too much. Visible stalkers are pretty cool. Harpies aren't up here. I'm only looking through what's in the Icewind Dale, by the way, not the not the full thing. Two could probably carry off a person. I mean, keep in mind, Frey and Thimbleweed are literally small. I think they could be carried off by a Periton. What are the rules for that, by the way? If a, if a creature doesn't normally... I, I've, I'm sure I've done this before. Um, but if... If a creature, what can it fork? I mean, because if you're if you if you literally use like the house rules that I've got, which aren't house rules, I think it's in the player's handbook. A creature can forego one of its attacks to make a grapple, a contested grapple, and I assume any creature can do that. Ten peritons versus five level nines. The interesting thing is, it depends on the makeup of the party, because obviously, if you have like a sorcerer or somebody that can just you know flare them up with a fireball or something. Um, then they're gonzo, but I don't think this party, what this party has is crowd control. They don't have necessarily damage, which obviously slowing my peritons would be a major pain in the ass, but you know, that's one less spell slot he's got for the big fight, so that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Um, ghouls and ghosts are here. I'm really trying to think if there's a fun way for maybe one of the bodies to rise up. I, maybe I do have Revenant somewhere. Well, if we don't like the Peritons, then give me some more ideas for a good cold weather creature. Is it just that I've I've leveled out of Peritons? I just missed my chance. Spectre is one we could use. White is a very classic uh, creature that could rise up. And that kind of makes sense for a Goliath. It's even snowy looking. Undeath. Returning away from its gold points without distraction. Life eaters. That'd be pretty crazy if in the middle of a fight one of the undead just stirs and becomes a white, like right in the middle of the battle. There wouldn't be an explanation for it, but do I need an explanation for it? Revenant would be a lot stronger. But could work. There's a Revenant in here. Revenant or Revenant? Reven, Revenant. 6CR5, isn't it? That's like a mini boss fight almost. 136 hit points, 13 armor. Boy. Regenerates 10 hit points. And is pretty simple to run. It just punches people with its fist. Huh. The weird thing is the Revenant, you feel like you really need like a lore reason for it to exist. I guess it could swear vengeance against the chief or something. In case it's just fighting the players because they're there. But it wouldn't do any of its swearing vengeance things. Demons or devils? Yeah, I'm starting to kind of get away from the... This is really just a random encounter, though. I don't want to go too crazy with, like, encounter table. I want it to be... It needs to make sense. <laughs> like, what would be here that would be just on a mountain hunting that could be dangerous for the party to face? A walrus. Weasel. A sworn vengeance against the dragon. Yeah, dragon doesn't exist anymore because the Remoraz fucking ate it. That'd be a pretty nasty. I mean, that would that would make the Periton fight pretty interesting if I if I still wanted to launch all those creatures at him, and then all of a sudden just had one of the bodies rise up like this. This is an example of a of a kind of boring. This is the opposite of a glass cannon, though. It's got a crap ton of hit points, and it doesn't do much. It just fucking punches. <laughs> it's not that interesting at all. 
but it's there to tank and absorb the blows and be a pain in the butt during the fight for sure. Glance Revenant. It's also like you can't actually properly kill it, which is weird. Revenant's body is destroyed. The soul lingers between whereas the soul inhabits another humanoid corpse in the same plane of existence regains all of its hit points. Well, you have to use a wish spell to get rid of it. That's crazy. They just have so much lore surrounding them. I don't know if I want to use it so willy-nilly. There's only one year to exact revenge. But if it's if it's revenge against the What's interesting is it would be revenge against the chief. <laughs> but then if the players kill it, it doesn't matter. They can just mention them passing, like, oh hey, this undead thing rose up and seemed pretty pissed. I guess it could use a weapon, but isn't its fist more than most weapons? Ah, uh, well maybe you could use a the great axe would be more damage. Oh, there's an optional one? I don't have that on here. Maybe it's here. Variant Revenants. Revenants that were spellcasters. Oh yeah, similarly Revenants that wore armor and wielded weapons in life might continue to do so. That's interesting. I think the Goliath's armor is the same, but... Uh, it would certainly wield an axe. Make it a little bit sexier. Yeah, the Great Axe is 1d12, which is the same fucking thing as its, it's fist does 2d6 naturally. Like, what the hell? <laughs> 2d6 is slightly better than 1d12, uh, 1d10. I guess for flavor, it could be swinging its axe around. Instead of dealing damage, the Revenant can grapple the target. So we can do that as part of its attack versus actually using the strength, contested strength thing. Shisuva, that sounds familiar. Is that from Tomb of Beasts? Well, if I've got that in here, I do. No, it's not. It's from Follows. That's a cool looking thing. A hyena demon. That's, yeah, that's a good description. Straight up. R8 Demon. What does that have to do with cold, though? Poisonous Tail Stinger? Ah, it's cool, but I don't know if it works here. Other than just being a crazy, bestial-looking monster. I need either something that's endemic to the area, or maybe it, you know, came here later, but... Or I could use the... the un I, I'm kind of liking the Undead Plan, because I do plan on having all the Goliaths that they get sent to rescue, uh, be dead. Could be the leader of village champion, could have the cloak they're looking for. Um, well, the cloak, the cloak is from Ogali, who who was the, the chieftain at Wormdom Crag. That's the cloak that he wants. He wants the cloak of the leader of the other clan, which that's the one that uh, talked to Frey, and they did all that whole thing. So, I mean, if they want to, if they... Yeah, the third option is they could talk to Arn. He says, you need to bring me the Cloak of Ogali. And then they could really shock me and say, okay. And they'll leave, go back to Wormdome Crag. And then talk to her about giving up the Cloak, which of course she would not be cool with. And then that would just be a weird social scene. In which case, you could go hostile with those Goliaths. I don't know. That seems kind of crazy. A clan of Yetis carrying a wanted poster is a fucking funny idea. You know, we could do a Yeti thing. We could do a Yeti thing. Um, 
I mean, there would be Yetis around here. Uh, last time we met a Yeti was we fought one Yeti, a regular Yeti, on the Mountain Climb quest back when the players were like level... Uh, God, what, how, what level were they for Mountain Climb? Three or four, I think. Probably three. Or four. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but we only fought the one Yeti as kind of their boss fight. So... That would be an interesting case of, you know, yeah, we've already fought one, but that was then when we were younger and we fought one as a boss, and now suddenly I'm going to throw a couple at you, and it's not even a boss, it's like a minion battle. So there could be a way for me to use that, and then, you know, if if you're ever going to fight Yeti, it's going to be an Icewind Dale. Um, I don't know how many Yetis would you need. God, what a... I just... What a great question to ask a DM. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just went to the the monster store, Jeremy, and you're behind the counter, and you say, "How many Yetis you need?" I got I got a dozen Yetis in the back, ready to go. I got big Yetis. I got small Yetis. I got pink Yetis. You have purple yetis. I got spicy yetis, vanilla yetis. Decaf yetis. I'm going to stop making those jokes, but that's... <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. So many yetis do I need. Oh, yetis are fun, though. They are fun. Immune to cold. 50 hit points. Multi-attack, which they can use their chilling gaze plus their attack. Which is greatness. They have a chance to paralyze you. These are fun. And if you want to go crazy, you can even do a boss yeti called the Abominable Yeti. Which has over a hundred hit points. And it breathes a fucking, like, white dragon frost breath. Five yetis with five crack cats. Stan, you're insane. <laughs> but I respect it. I respect it. I mean, they're basically fully rested level 9. Like, fuck, I gotta do something. They are facing fray. I know. Eddies are fun. What if I literally just started escalating the fight, like, every time? Like, it starts out with a bunch of peritons, and the peritons are scared away by the yetis, and then the yeti is scared away by something larger. <laughs> just keep throwing shit at the players, and they're like, alright... Why is this mountain full of just every apex predator on the entire region? This is bullshit. <laughs> because you're level 9, that's why. That's why. I don't know about the abominable one. It just seems like it's going to have annoying amount of hit points. But I do like the cold breath charge. It's greatness. But yeah, yetis are pretty exciting. Uh, if we think the peritons are too lame, we could have a bunch of yetis... You know what we could do? If I literally wanted to do the escalating threat thing, I could have I could have the players coming across the peritons, which are currently like digging their way into the bodies. The players get to feel all cool and mighty and have this big, you know, surprise round um on the periton, at least some of them, and maybe do like a you know, a round or two. And then can I hit them with some Yetis after that? That are like howling down the mountain, coming down, because maybe they see the peritons and 
uh, start wanting to get at the players and engage a fight then, and maybe maybe the Yetis get a surprise round. I mean, hell, they got a plus three stealth. They can try that. Or he wants the cave, yeah. Well, the problem is the cave, keep in mind, this is an important thing to note. I don't want to go, <laughs> I appreciate everybody going crazy here. This is a, designed to wear the players down for before they actually make it into the boss fight, which is going to be this map, which I have already done things to. Look at these windows I got open. So this is the inside of the cave. There is the white dragon body um, bones, I guess I should say. And then these are on the GM layer. I literally took the kind of water. This is, I'm sure it looks shitty, but hopefully it'll be all right. And made it like bubbling. So it's like a, a literal bubbling because the, the actual map art just looked like a normal, you know, like very translucent see-through watery depth. And I wanted to make this a hidden uh, bubbling, boiling water thing where the Rimrazes are. Uh, currently and I was just gonna have the one parent and the two kids but we can certainly escalate that if we need to but this is the actual big boss fight they have to get through so the other one is just an encounter that's designed to wear them down and you know use up some of those resources uh they could probably get a short rest honestly I don't have any even though short rest is technically an hour I rarely have a problem with the player short resting unless they're under a very serious uh time constraints like for example with the shardle and dragon um otherwise they can pretty much short rest anywhere and have a problem with that i definitely they're certainly not going to long rest between now and uh doing this threat so this is the main thing that we've got planned here if i want to i can always you know maybe double the remorazes or maybe make probably more make more young ones versus making another big one maybe have some interesting i don't know about layer actions but certainly being dragged into this bubbling uh steam pool would be very dangerous for your health so yeah that's the goal and this is the actual cave entrance and again this is all from the adventure i linked earlier called worm doom hunt by uh dan con which i am not using any of the encounters per se but i am using the concept of the goliaths giving a monster hunting mission for the players to succeed and that lets the players then do the diplomacy part of the quest and then I'm using the maps, but I'm basically changing all the monsters around because A, my players are higher level than what is originally designed here, and B, um, my players already dealt with a frost giant and a white dragon, even though it was obviously an ancient white dragon, which is kind of a unique threat. So I was looking for something a little different, and all of you have been claiming for a Remoraz. Obviously, I'm very excited to use a Remoraz, so I figured this would be an excellent time to use one as a surprise monster hunt that they don't even know that's what they're dealing with. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, we'll have to talk about this uh, some more next time because I believe that's my time. Make the Abominable Yetis actually dreaded Winter Wendigo or Frey's Curse came from me. Include a few regular Wendigos just in case no shock to the group. That would be awesome, but that would probably be a separate um, quest line. And I am thinking about maybe when the players go back to Wormdoom Crag to turn in the axe, then maybe the Forge Master will be able to tell like something's wrong with Frey or something to where they can clue in um, to get him maybe to advance on that and say... I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if she wants to deal with it or not. She, she seems pretty fine with it so far <laughs> in terms of like, yeah, I'm cool with it. It gives me a pretty powerful buff that doesn't really uh, put me in danger, but puts others in danger. So we will we will see about that. But I, I that would be a neat idea. I think the uh, 
Or or I make her face the actual Wendigo stat block I've got. That was the other thing is I, I create that as an an, ex, an external creature that they have to hunt because I did upgrade her Wendigo stat block. We just haven't seen it yet. All right, I think that will do it for this Monday edition of Rime of the Frostmaiden. Uh, or sorry, this Monday edition of Crafting Icewind Dale. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Adam, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Dig, Dug, DM, Brian, and William, and Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast Like a Tortoise, Scott, Humanoid-Sized Sphincters, and Stephanie. Thank you all very much for your support. I'll see you for more crafting on Thursday. Thank you.